Hey guys, this is Gail. It's my very first podcast. I'm sitting in my room with Ilea and my boyfriend Erwin. And yeah, I just have had this idea to start a podcast for a few months. And so it's a Thursday night here in Kona, Hawaii. And we're just going to go for it. This is Ilea. Say hi. Hello. Hi. Where are you from? I'm from Alaska. She's from Alaska. I'm from Georgia. And Erwin, where are you from? I'm from Kona. <laughs> He's mad that I addressed him. But, yeah, so we are in Kona, Hawaii. I came out here three years ago with YWAM, Youth with the Mission, and we're going to talk about missions tonight. Ilea mm. is a missionary to South Africa. Yeah. And, yeah, what are you... Are you Actually, saying? before I share, Gail asked me to to speak on this because she was actually with me in South Africa when I moved there at the beginning of this year before the coronavirus <laughs> sent yes. me home for an undetermined amount of time. But before I share, I actually thought it'd be super cool if you shared why you wanted to do the podcast because yes. I love why you're doing it. Yeah, so basically this summer when I came back to Kona after being home um, for corona. Uh, I felt like the Lord just started, like, showing me I have so many friends, like, back home that don't really get to, like, see my life in Hawaii, yeah. and really, they're not with me when I, like, do missions, and I was kind of feeling the frustration of, like, the gap between the life I live and wanting them to be able to, like, see into it as well, totally. and I think the more that he started speaking to me about that, I also realized, like, be so cool to be able to share stories of my friends who like all are living different calls of God and really going after what the Lord has for them and really just give people permission to like think what their life could be like if they wanted to like dream with God and mm-hmm. if anyone even listening to this would be like oh my life can look like doing missions or I can do something with these dreams inside of me that maybe they don't know what it looks like. Mm-hmm. I just think it's cool to see, like, I have so many friends that are living different lives than the normal, like, American dream and wanting to, like, showcase those is kind of my heart behind the podcast. Totally. Do you think Do you think most people listening are going to know what YWAM is? Probably not. YWAM <laughs> is so Youth with the Mission. It's so hard to explain. But yeah. it's Youth with the Mission, and it's a discipleship training program the first thing you do is a six-month school Mm -hmm. I did that like right after I graduated from Auburn three years ago and they have it's a discipleship training school called a DTS and they're all over the world and you come three months to learn about God and three months to go on outreach and then from there there's a million different things that YWAM does it's too hard to go into totally into all of it but yeah and the we're in the Kona base um, and I staff a school called Fire and Fragrance, which is part of the DTS world. So fun. Yeah. So. But that is a little bit about me. I want to know kind of just for you to share your heart with how you got to YWAM and your like process with moving to South Africa, kind of whatever you feel on that that you want to talk yeah. about. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> I love hearing everyone's YWAM stories. My YWAM story um, basically was just because when I 
right when I graduated high school, I did not immediately feel like I was supposed to go to college or I like knew that I was only going because I was being, I was scared of what everyone else would think. I was like, I'm totally going there from peer pressure. Mm -hmm. So I remember going to college for two weeks and I love studying and everything, but I felt no peace <laughs> in being there. Well, okay, the two weeks was totally the... I was like, I don't want to pay anything. It was like the deadline yeah. for the finances. Okay. Um, and so I prayed, and I feel like up until this point, I didn't like really practice a life of like trying to hear God's voice. I like knew that we could as a believer and as a Christian, but I honestly rarely asked God's opinion about anything. So I was praying, and I felt like the Lord was shutting the door for the time being and so I didn't end up going to school and so I was working full-time at this coffee shop and I was literally just waiting for the Lord mm. to do something like in faith believing that he closed that door for a reason yeah um and I remember because all my friends went out of state for college I had no friends and I didn't have any co-workers because I worked at one of those tiny little coffee shops oh. with just one employee and so there was like never I just had no community at all so my dad signed me up for this Antioch Bible class, basically, and it was supposed to be um, Socratic, like, circle discussions, like, really deep, provoking questions, mm -hmm. and it was supposed to be with a bunch of people my age. And so my dad signed me up, hoping that I'd literally just have some more friends, Yeah. and I reluctantly agreed, and then I showed up, and it was just me and, like, six really old grandpa <laughs> men. And I was like, oh my gosh, I already paid the $300 fee. I have to do this. And it ended up being super fun. We were just going through the book of Acts, which I had never read before. And I was so blown away that that book even existed in the Bible. I was like, I for sure have not read this. And I was reading Acts 20 one day, and I just remember it's all about like Paul, and he's crying, and he's leaving all his brothers. I don't even really know who Paul is at this point, honestly. <laughs> But I know that he's weeping because he's saying goodbye to his friends and family and he knows he's never going to see them again. And I just start crying in this coffee shop reading the Bible, which was super not normal for me. And I felt like the Lord spoke about missions um, and that I had some kind of like something in my life was going to relate to like Paul. And then I prayed with my dad and the next day a Korean guy just randomly came up to me and started talking about YWAM. Wow. So that's when I did my DTS. Um fast forward obviously like two and a half years um I've been doing missions I um I think I went to Papua New Guinea on my outreach nice. and I came back felt like the Lord really prompted me to do a bible school um did that staffed and during my first year staffing I got into a relationship with this guy that I went to high school with mm. who was an atheist most my entire life that I knew him. Um, sometimes he kind of went back and forth between his beliefs, but basically dating him, I think that I experienced one of the most anxious seasons of my life where I really wanted to serve the Lord. I was in missions but I was so tied to like the safety and the comfort that he brought. Um, and I really wanted to make it work with him. And honestly, his life looked completely different than mine. He was playing professional baseball. So when we would talk about our future, I think a lot of times it was like me trying to like t 
tone down a lot of like the dreams and visions that I felt like the Lord was giving me mm-hmm. yeah. for the sake of making it work with him. Um, yeah. And so that just caused a lot of stress for like a super long time. And I remember coming out of that second outreach, we had just had so many long distance phone calls that were super heavy and toxic and all these things. And it got to this point where it was like, I had been convincing myself that there was so much comfortability in being with him. And then I just remember finally realizing like, this isn't comfortable. This is so wrong. Like there's nothing safe or like good about this. It's just the only familiar thing that I have left. And so I think that finally breaking up with him when I did was this super amazing moment for me in the Lord and actually was like probably one of the biggest catalysts for me in making a decision like moving to the literal other side of the world going to South Africa um just because God had to do something super real in my heart of where I found my comfort Mm. and where I found my safety was like the two biggest things So I think that was in February or March of 2019. And then I went home for a month and just totally, if I'm being honest, I just spent a month being very angry at God and very upset at like everything. I had a really close friend that like died in a car accident and it was just like, I think that there was just some real like moments where I had to look in the mirror and be like, why am I doing missions? Like, I have a lot of friends that kind of think that it's a summer camp or it's just like traveling experience. And I think that I was starting to believe those things Mm -hmm. about myself too. I was like, honestly, they could be right. Like, I need to know like why I'm doing this because at the time it was like, I let go of one of the things that I wanted most, which was this like high school sweetheart type relationship. Um, But that summer, I think that I finally came to a point of like, wow, Jesus, it wasn't worth living a whole year of constant anxiety in the midst Mm -hmm. of trying to like know you and love you and have any kind of intimacy with you. And so I started really asking the Lord to give me fear of the Lord. And I literally was only asking that because I'd read this Proverbs that was talking about how the fear of the Lord lets you lie down in peace at night. And so there was just this desire of like, I need peace. Like I have just had so much anxiety, even while serving you and like feeling the frustration Mm -hmm. of like, I feel like you're not supposed to have anxiety when you're a Christian. Like you're not supposed to stress out. Like I was like so many just moments of confusion and swirl. And so asking genuinely for the fear of the Lord in my life required a whole new level of surrender that I think totally began with my breakup, Mm -hmm. but like did not end there in any way. I think Jesus took my yes super seriously. Um, And that whole summer was just filled with asking him what it looked like to actually say yes and asking him what it looked like to actually have faith. Mm -hmm. I think that I started hearing all these stories of past missionaries and just people that I look up to hearing God and going to all these crazy places And, like, something inside of me was, like, I genuinely don't want to listen to these stories for the rest of my life. And then, like, tell my kids about other people that did really cool things for Jesus because they were brave enough to. But I just kept watching from the sidelines because there's just no way that I have that kind of grit and I don't have that kind of, like, toughness about me. So I really didn't think 
that I had the grit and the toughness and honestly just the faith mm. to say yes to things that I had heard many other men and women of the faith say yes to. Yeah. Um, but it's so simple. You just literally ask for it. And Dang. I think I just didn't know that. I think I didn't know that you could just ask for it with a sincere heart wow. and God could do it. You know, yeah, it, it doesn't... I think that I really did box it into a personality type. Mm. I saw different girls and guys that it was like, oh, they're just those kind of people. Like, they would move to a really hard nation. Like, that's their thing. <laughs> you know? Or like That's how I like viewed you, though, when I met you last summer. <laughs> like, you were totally one of those people. Maybe that summer is I asked for it. Like, yeah. not this, like any time before that. But, like... Like our good friend Caroline. I've always yeah. just thought, yeah, she's just supposed she's to be us. over there. That's true. <laughs> Overseas. She is. But um, I was super marked when Kate, our good friend Kate, she asked me to run this like small kids camp. And she was like, yeah, just like, um, you know, it's a bunch of like seventh graders. Could you just like make up a seven, ten minute message about a missionary? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> The Lord totally led me, like, to John Wesley. Didn't really know a lot about him. And obviously, or not obviously, if you don't know, John Wesley started, like, a crazy circuit rider movement in Europe that bled over into America. And it's really affected, like, young people especially. It's, like, one of the OG college campus movements. Like, just really calling young people to revival and believing for that Mm -hmm. in their nation. And what marked me is that through his story, he was so zealous from a young age. He had been a part of all these really holy, he called it like a holy club. Like he was just really all for it. Basically he was a really gritty guy. And from a young age, he had already decided that he was like, he would do anything for Jesus. But there was this lack of love and like, there was still a lack of drive. Like he couldn't like, basically on a ship to America, they almost wrecked. And there was this group of people down below that he writes in one of his journals were singing these hymns and they had so much peace and so much love. And he was so confused at like, how do they have what they have basically in the midst of almost wrecking. And then he gets to America. And honestly, while he's in America, he really didn't see the fruit that he wanted Mm. to see. So he gets back on a boat. And while he's back on the boat back home, he's sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, like, I can't stop thinking about this small, tiny, minority group of people that were under the ship that had so much peace, and they knew something about God that I don't know, like, I don't understand. Um, And as he starts journaling about that, he starts really asking the Lord to do it in him. And I think it was a passage in Romans, but basically he was reading the Word one day, and there was no angelic visitation, there was nothing But while he was reading the word, he wrote in his journal that his heart was strangely warmed (laughs) by a message of grace. Wow. And from that exploded a massive circuit rider movement and all these crazy things. And as I was, like, reading about him, I was so, like, ah, like, I have boxed it in so much. I just need my heart to be moved in a tender way, and I'll have the courage to say yes to anything. And the Holy Spirit could use me as the most insane vessel, really. He could do whatever he wants if my heart, if I would just allow it to become super soft. Even just reading his word. Yeah. Um, Was there, like, a moment last summer or before you moved that 
you feel like God started softening your heart to South Africa, or how did that, how did South Africa, like, come into the picture? I think it was first brought up by Gabe and Michelle. Mm. Um, I was living in a community house with a South African married couple, and so God had totally put this crazy dream on their heart to move back home to their country and see revival. And they invited me because they do life with me anyway, so they were like, if you want to come, you should. And I said no, because I've never (laughs) cared about South Africa or, like, even thought about it. It wasn't even, like, on my bucket list the way that some people, like, like, I don't even care about Cape Town. (laughs) I was just like, I don't care. Um, But for me, it was, like, a coffee shop moment. I just remember doing, um, I was journaling and having some time with the Lord in the morning, and... I was writing about faith, and as I was writing, I literally was just asking God, like, please make me the kind of woman that would say yes to you. And I think there's just prayers that you pray a lot, and then there's certain times where you pray it, and you know that you meant it for the first time, Yeah. you know? You can ask God to, like, do a lot of things for you, and there's just certain times where you know that the Holy Spirit is on it, and you actually meant it. Right. And that was just one of those times. Wow. It wasn't, like, a ministry night or anything, I just... I wrote that down. I knew that he knew <laughs> that I meant it. So it scared me writing it down, but I wrote it down anyways. And then I just said, you know, I, I believe you will speak to people in my community. Yeah. Um, but even with this thing with Gabe and Michelle, I mean, I wrote it down not thinking it was anything serious. Right. But I just was like, Jesus, these people are offering me basically an open door to go back to their home country and do something really, really amazing amongst their people. And if you want me to go... I want to believe I'm the kind of woman that would serve somebody else's dream, even in my 20s. Um, And literally that night, Gabe had a dream (laughs) that I was there, which I ignored completely. (laughs) I was like, Gabe wants me to go there, so he's making up these things in his head (laughs) when he goes to bed. (laughs) That's why that's happening. Um, And then my roommate had a dream, basically, that just had a lot to do with me and a father figure having a lot of intimacy in the midst of, like, a tsunami (laughs) and, like, all these crazy things, which I still was just like, wow, that's a really cool dream. Um, But then I remember in the midst of all these dreams, I almost allowed that really familiar feeling of anxiety and confusion that I just spent a year in come back into my life. And I remember going into my room late at night, and I was just got down on my knees, and I was like, God no dream or word will sustain me in a foreign nation. Like, I know that. I will just fall apart. But if I'm going to be with you there more than anywhere else, then I I want to be there. Like, I think I just started discovering what actual intimacy looked like. Like, you know, being on this journey of what fear of the Lord looked like and surrendering Mm -hmm. and even just safety. Obviously, I was coming out of this place of a bad relationship where I thought that's what safety felt like. Yeah. Um, and through Psalm 84, I think I was telling you about that. It's a psalm from David, and he's writing, you know, how lovely are your dwelling places. And he says that my heart and even my flesh, like, which so sticks out to me, you know, it, it is my spirit that yearns for God, but there's also these really, like, fleshly things that God almost desires and the fact of us just desiring a safe place and peace and the joy that he brings and he writes that and he writes about um just my king and my God and and it's it's this like high praise but he goes into this verse where he basically says that you know even a swallow can build a nest Mm. 
you know, at your altar where she can lay her young. And I would read on that and I would meditate on it and I would just think, you know, birds are so timid. <laughs> and it seems like by nature they don't really have homes. They're always moving place right. to place, which is something that I felt like I was relating to yeah. as a missionary. For I feel sure. like we're, you know, we're either in Kona for three months or we're at home for three months or in a foreign nation. I yeah. mean, that's what my life had looked like for the past three years. Right. So I wasn't really in the habit of putting down roots, which mm-hmm. can create a lot of insecurity, even yeah. with like just feeling like you have a place of belonging. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just felt like the Lord did something so special in my heart and I was able to remember that every time that God asked me to put something on the altar, which is something that I hear all the time in Christianese or right. in the Christian world, is like, lay it on the altar, you know, that relationship, put it on the altar. And I totally had this feeling and this thought that every time you put something on the altar, it's because it's about to get crushed. <laughs> like, it's because God wants to take it away from you because you weren't supposed to have it. And I think David in this psalm writing about the altar of God in this super tender way where it would be so still and calm that a bird would take the time to build a nest there. Mm. And not only that, but the most fragile thing that a bird could carry are her her baby eggs. You know (laughs) what I mean? And the fact that she could put her eggs on the altar, and that's the invitation, is that you would place everything that you have ever wanted, what what you've birthed, right on the altar. because Not because it would get crushed right away, but because it was safest there. It did something so new in my confidence that I had never felt before. And so in that moment when I'm on my knees and I'm like, God, I don't want to get swirled out and anxious again. It was that remembrance of that psalm of like, all right, I'm safest on your altar as an offering. My body and my life being an offering is actually safer for me than me still trying to control my life like I did a year ago. That was the source of the most anxiety I'd ever felt. Um... And I just almost felt like this promise. It wasn't a sentence. It wasn't a clear word of the Lord. But it was one of those super tender moments in your heart where I almost just felt like a nod. Wow. An agreement. Like, you know, you will be with me if you go. Dang. Um, And I felt like as a father, he had this, this proud smile on his face almost. Like, you know, I, I wanted you to make this decision without the crazy word, actually. Yeah. I actually wanted you to make this decision from a place of desiring me. Wow. And I feel like because he had me in that place, yeah. it was like, like, honey, you did it. Wow. That's what I wanted That's in the so first good. place. Dang. And so saying yes was still super scary and right. took a while and got a new relationship th- during that time. Oh. Praise God. Wow. <laughs> um, Dang. Yeah. His roommate just walked in. Love that. <laughs> Uh, fast forward, and in December, you moved to South Africa at the same time I was there leading my outreach, so I got to see you. That was so fun. Like, the first couple weeks that you had moved to South Africa, um, and yeah, kind of maybe share your heart on how it was being in this new relationship that you started, like, a few months before you were moving, like... Literally to the furthest place from Hawaii, South Africa. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think it's like you can't go further. No, you um, can't. And with that, like, yeah, just where your heart was when you, like, moved to South Africa. From, like, the yes in August to the actually going, um, like, in December. Right. That's good. 
So I, I felt like I heard the, the yes from the Lord in July. July. I said yes to the South African couple in August, and then we moved as a team in December. Um, when I moved in December, I think... I think there was just, there was almost so much, like, adrenaline. <laughs> yeah. And actually, like, getting on the plane and just doing it, even though, I mean, I think most people plan a lot longer than we did even before they actually moved, but we had planned for about four and a half months, yeah. and then we just sent it. Um, but, yeah, I think that getting there was actually a lot easier than I thought it was going to be, mm. and... It could have been the grace of the Lord. It could have been adrenaline. I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> but two weeks in, or three weeks in, I think, is when I started really thinking about the decision that I just made. Um, and, I mean, yeah, I didn't even think culture shock was real until <laughs> I went to South Africa. I used to make fun of people that talked about culture shock, oh and gosh. I was like, you're such a baby. <laughs> like, remember, you, yeah. you know this. When I came and, like, saw you guys, it was like came back in February and you guys were all like we're experiencing culture shock and I remember everyone being like it's so real like it's finally hitting us like a few months in literally I think and the thing is too is like South Africa it wasn't even like we were living in huts yeah where we live lemon blossom it's this cute little compound (laughs) like old bed and breakfast area um super small but I mean Nice. Yeah, it's not it's a, nice. it's not not a village. You're not like unsafe, um, but definitely the reality of my yes was hitting me, and it's definitely a lot more than the high that you feel in a moment of faith. It's the you start to feel the really the beauty of the mundane, mm-hmm. and so I think that moving there in my process, even with having a long distance boyfriend, it's a twelve hour difference. So I either got to talk to him right when he woke up or right before he went to bed. But during the day, he was AWOL. Like, it was like, <laughs> I am single, basically. <laughs> like, I'm doing this by myself. Um, and we spent a lot of time alone. I think the thing with pioneering is that there's so much unknown. You're not walking into an established ministry where you get to find your little niche, mm-hmm. you know. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I couldn't go in and be like, I'm a teacher, right. so just give me a teaching slot and I'll take it. Yeah. You know, you're... You're everything. Mm -hmm. You know, doesn't matter if you can sing. If we need a worship leader, you can (laughs) learn how to sing right now. (laughs) Um, We don't have a janitor, so you should probably clean that up. And you're also the new finance office. (laughs) So I think through that, you are just... I came face-to-face with so many weaknesses. And, you know, sometimes the yes that I felt so strongly back in August felt so weak. And I think... The only thing that got me through that season, which was definitely the hardest, um, my friend Hannah compared it to when a baby takes their first breath. She said that scientifically, it's like the hardest breath you'll ever take, you know, because you've never actually breathed in oxygen like that before. And she would always pray that over me, and I'd be like, it's so true. Like, I knew that I was moving there for three years, because that's what I committed, and the first few months felt so hard. It felt like that first breath of just not getting too overwhelmed, not... And I think that, for me, I need to hear God's voice through scripture, Mm -hmm. or I really do swirl out. (laughs) I think that, you know, living a life as a missionary, you're just always depending on Him, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, 
you're not getting this steady... Like, I literally feel like I'm not getting a steady income, like, other people through a check, but right. I, like, literally need the word of God. Like, I need, like, verses and biblical confirmations yeah. because that's, like, the only thing that anchors me to keep me moving in the way that I am. And God started speaking so much through Song of Solomon. Um, Mike Bickle does this super amazing teaching, and I recommend everyone to listen to it. Um... And his main focus is basically the bride and how she ravishes the heart of the Lord, which is something that I think makes a lot of people feel uncomfortable. It kind of made me feel uncomfortable. But through the chapters, he shows you all these different stages of the bride's yes and her relationship with the bridegroom. And even focusing heavily on the first and second chapter, one of the biggest points that Mike Bickle draws out of it is that her really weak and shallow yes mm. meant so much to the bridegroom. Wow. And I think I needed to hear that over and over again, reminding myself that my yes, in all honesty, was weak. Wow. Sometimes it was really shallow. Sometimes I had hyped up my yes in my head. Mm. Not that it wasn't from the Lord, it right. was. But I could hype it up even more and picture pioneering in a third world nation and yeah. being like, it's going to be this and this and yeah. all these highlight moments. And actually, the first few months was so many low moments, mm. so many moments of silence, so many moments of not crazy fruit, as and, well as moments of crazy fruit. Right. But what I needed in those moments where it was mundane was my bridegroom, you know, my covenant keeping biblical husband in yeah. a sense to to show me how much my weak everyday yes meant the world to him it's and okay. ravished his heart and that literally was a game changer I wow. think that I felt myself literally becoming a different woman so good not living off of highs but I think I literally started finding this supernatural joy and mundane things yeah. um even on the mission field where there's nothing comfortable around wow and yeah, I think that was just a huge part of my process wow. when I got there. That's so good. Yeah. I'm so encouraged by your yes. And even like, <laughs> like knowing you more like a year now and just seeing like the steadfastness that God's producing you and even knowing that your yes is like permission to so many other people. Um, I guess I'll just end with someone listening to this wanted to go into missions. Hmm. What is something you would tell them or some advice you would you would give? Can just be one thing. It can yeah. be like it doesn't have to be super, super deep or deep. anything. Yeah, I mean the super not deep answer would just be to do it. I think that it's just always better to say yes. You know what? This is gonna be my last piece of advice. And it's not Go mine. It. It's Dan Bauman's. <laughs> Dan Bauman says says. <laughs> That if you're 51% sure that God spoke, you might as well just do it. Wow. Because God just loves faith. He loves risk takers. And I believe he's the kind of father that either laughs, finds joy, and catches you. You know what I mean? Like, either right. he really spoke and you're totally going to be walking in, like, all these crazy divine open doors because yeah. you're in the will of the Lord. Or... You're going to say yes, and it might not all make sense at first, but I think that he just gets so much joy Mm -hmm. out of us willing to take the risk that even then I think he opens the doors. I I honestly think that 
your best chance at <laughs> living a life that's fulfilling is just saying yes to Jesus. So good. Even if you're not 100% sure, I think that's my biggest thing is do it even if you're not 100% sure. Just do it. Just do it. So good. It's worth it. Thanks, Aaliyah, for being <laughs> Thanks, my first. Gail. I'm so glad you're my first podcast because I think you're awesome. I think you're awesome. And I think this podcast is awesome. Thanks for tuning in, guys. I'm going to be doing a lot more of these. I have awesome friends in this huge community I live in that I want to showcase and get more conversations out for you guys. So be on the lookout for more coming your way. Bye.